Why don't we come together? Why do we gotta fight? Why do we gotta fight? Let's be like sis and brother who finally got it right. Let's face up each other. Black, brown, yellow, blue, white. Let's cherish all the color instead of spitting spite. The highest we can be. You are listening to the Tom Ficklin Show on WNHH LP 103.5 FM, your home for community radio. Good morning, everyone. Good morning, and it's it's a it's it's a good morning. I mean, even we all can kind of lament and uh, share some pathos and crises that are going on in the world. But I think generally we have a choice to make uh, about our perspective and our the walk that we choose to walk and the race that we choose to race. And today to to choose to choose a race that will kind of have some longevity and um, generational impact. I think it's important for folks to kind of just really devote this year, 2024, particularly in January, the beginning of the year, to where do we see our, what do we set our sights on? What kind of challenges do we think we might want to um, really just embrace? And what kind of positive actions do we want to undertake? And I, I, I say that as a lead into to today's show, which is bringing research to the community and update on the Yale Center for Clinical Investigation and the African Methodist Episcopal Zion church partnership because health is wealth i mean you can debate that that phrase that mantra but health is wealth and any goals or aspirations that you might have uh that we might have that the universe might have depends on us remaining healthy spiritually healthy bodily healthy biologically healthy um and medically healthy uh so today's show is bringing research to the community and update on the Yale Center for Clinical Investigation and African Methodist Episcopal Zion Partnership. Uh, believe it or not, in 2010, in 2010, leaders from the Yale Center for Clinical Investigation partnered with the leaders of the AME Zion Church. And I, I intentionally have, uh, people will hear the acronym AME, but I think it's important as we approach Black History Month that African Methodist Episcopal Zion Church, they really just give the, the shout out and kudos to to our forefathers and foremothers as they kind of named ourselves, christened ourselves the African Methodist Episcopal Church, Zion Church, uh, to identify ways to increase minority participation in clinical research. Clinical research is fundamental, important, vital, crucial for our health and well-being moving forward. Now in its 14th year, the Cultural Ambassador Program is going not only going strong, but it's vibrant and has become a sought-after model in the space of healthcare. Again, 2010, we're now in 2024. So this morning, we really have the pleasure of uh, uh, chatting with the founders of this movement for a discussion on how they are moving. They and we can move collectively this needle in terms of uh, really making equ equitable representation research, not only a temporary reality, but, a, but an ongoing and sustained reality. Today's guests are Tisha Johnson. Tisha is the Chief uh, Yale, Clinical Center, Yale Center for Clinical Investigation, Clinical Research Strategy and Development Officer, and Chief Operating Officer for YCCI. And we're joined by, again, the founder, Reverend Dr. Leroy O. Perry, Jr., Pastor St. Stephen's AME Zion Church, and Cultural Ambassador to the Yale Clinical Research Program, and Reverend Elvin Clayton, Pastor Walter's Memorial, AME Zion Church and cultural ambassador to the Yale Clinical Research Program. Welcome to everyone. Good morning. Good morning. Let's kind of open it up. We have 55 minutes and again, this is a his historic show because I'm thinking Tisha and, and Reverend Perry and, and Reverend Clayton, as people listen to this, there's so much of our history that folks do not kind of don't, don't remember. And we, we, this opportunity to remind folks of the struggles and the achievements that you that you have made, and that you've uh, invited the community to join you in the struggle. So to everyone, um, it's been a while since we've had a chance to talk in this kind of general general framework. Uh, but let's hear about the work that everyone is doing with YCCI, and let's begin the day with you, maybe uh, telling us a little bit about your, each of yourselves and anything personal you'd like to share 
for them to know and all in the in the kind of the context or, or the frame, as they say, of health equity and representation in research and how it kind of became became a concern, not, not just a concern, but a proactive action thought uh, for, for, for the for the three of you. Um, Tisha, would you like to start? Absolutely. I'm thrilled to, to um, get started here. And uh, Tom, for the record, my name has officially changed to Harris. Um, oh, okay. All right. <laughs> married and uh, happily married and new last name. So uh, uh, debuting it on your show here in 2024. Thank you. So um, thank you. Thank you. Um, but um, I had the pleasure of uh, meeting Reverend uh, Dr. Perry and Reverend Clayton uh, almost 15 years ago now, I think. Um, and uh, we started this conversation. It's, it was a long journey back then. I, I like to share um, that is, as much as Reverend Clayton has a smile for everyone, um, that the first, our first meeting was, uh, it was not smiles and Reverend Perry sat back in the chair with his arms crossed, just kind of giving me the look that only Reverend Dr. Perry <laughs> can give. And, um, they were skeptical of the conversations that we wanted to have around clinical research and clinical trials and, uh, and rightly so given all of the you know, past issues of uh, research malpractice in communities of color and, uh, and all of the, the challenges, the historical uh, perspectives that, that this subject brings. But we were able to have a deeper conversation around the true health disparities that um, really plague our community. And uh, I, I shared with the AME Zion community at the annual conference that uh, where we live matters more than our genetics. So they said ZNA uh, mm. versus DNA, meaning your zip code versus your DNA. And we're, mm. we're just plagued on so many fronts. And so we had an open conversation about those disparities. And then I shared the disparities in clinical research participation and how people of color really were not participating as new therapies and new treatments were being approved by the FDA. And with that, it changed, uh, I think it changed the conversation mm -hmm. and they were more open to the conversation. And so I'm just so thrilled, you know, we're here, like I said, almost 15 years later, yes. still fighting a good fight, but you know, so much has happened and, and so many incredible accomplishments really led by these two gentlemen that I'm just humbled to be on the show with today. So uh, I'm looking forward to the conversation here and I'll let uh, Reverend uh, Clayton and uh, Reverend Dr. Perry uh, speak and then I, I can go all day. So I'll, I'll let them get their word in now so that we can keep going. Jen, she's passed the mic on, Reverend Perry. Yes, Tom, I, I am, um, I guess I'm humbled because uh, in retrospect, our hesitancy uh, with regards to um, clinical research and participation by minorities, particularly Blacks who have been disenfranchised in one sense and, you know, um, been practiced in some form of medical apartheid on another. We were really hesitant about being guinea pigs and hesitant about working with Yale, who we did not feel any affiliation to or for. But having, having had this open conversation with uh, Ms. Tisha Harris, uh, who is just absolutely brilliant. <laughs> and, 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 and I think that it is because of her brilliance and her tenacity um, that we were able to come together and to and to realize how we needed each other mm. in terms of we we're going to change our our health perspectives for our members of our community and and in in a more global uh, sense also. I think that what we have developed is a template that can be used anywhere mm. that has brought uh, evidence based results of what can happen when there is this this kind of mutual collaboration. Mm -hmm. And that's what she has brought to the table. It's something that we could we could not do on our own and she could not do on her own. But she had the tenacity 
and the vision and the drive to uh, to put this whole play in into into practice. And and so we're we're just immensely grateful to her for what she has done. And when I say brilliant, let me tell you, it's not local brilliance. This woman is brilliant. I mean, all over this field. I mean, the FDA, the NIH, Morehouse, Meharry, uh, the schools in uh, in um, Puerto Rico, and and other colleges, medical colleges across the country, and even in London. I mean, she is just she's the, she's the point person, and we need her and we love her, and it's because of her hard work that I think that we have become um, so sought after as cultural ambassadors. Excellent, excellent. Reverend Clayton. Thank you so much, Tom. Let me uh, take a personal note here first, because Please. I believe the question was that we want to share our personal, something personal mm -hmm. that we want the audience to know. Um, a year ago, I was in Africa and, and Ghana, and the temperature was... 80 degrees, the sky for the most part was clear, the water was clear, the people were friendly, uh, the food was well seasoned, uh, the church services were spirit filled, all that was going on. And today we're here in Connecticut where this temperature is about 20 degrees and I'm wishing I was back there <laughs> in that warm climate. But in order for me to go to that, in order for me to be able to go there, I had to take, uh, get a vaccination to, mm -hmm. to make sure I was safe there. And it, it brought me back to YCCI. Mm. And, and one of the things that we're often asked is, um, what do you want to talk, what do you want to say about health equity? And and what is your concern? I didn't have a concern until I met Tisha Harris. Mm. <laughs> this thing was far from my radar. Mm -hmm. uh, but you heard Dr. Perry say that she's brilliant. And see, some people are brilliant and they just try to do the whole thing themselves. But, but, but in this case, she pulled in some giants along with her to, to train us. People like uh, Dr. Christo and Dr. Bob Sherwin, mm -hmm. C.C. Calhoun, uh, Linda Coleman, uh, Mar Marcella Nunez-Smith, and the list goes on. Mm. And, and our success, because this the brilliance of teacher to, to, to make sure that we had the proper training from the proper people so that we can share with our community. Mm, mm, pr 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 profound. Uh, talk to me about the, I've, I've mentioned this word cultural ambassador, and we're going to talk about the research and achievements and challenges and just kind of a reflection as well as not just a, a historical reflection, but thoughts of steps we're going to make for the future from a sustainability and innovation standpoint. But talk, talk to me about the, uh, the, the naming of the partnership, the cultural ambassadors. I'm intrigued with that because we're, we're not cultural ambassadors are not a jazz group. Uh, you're not not a gospel group. Uh, mm -hmm. So I'm, I'm I was really I, I love names and, and and wordsmithing. But but what what was the uh, the significance behind the name of the partnership, the cultural ambassadors? Anyone? Well, Tom, I like to simply say that religion is faith clothed in culture. Mm. And that's a Tilikian uh, theological understanding. And I think that what this being clothed in culture has brought some stigmatized um, bad information that we corrected through uh, this process. Because religion and science do work hand in hand and mm. can work hand in hand. And this is this is one of the reasons we, we chose that name because we're we're saying that science and religion can be compatible. Mm. And they and we need them to be compatible in order for us to succeed in this field. 
and in terms of taking charge of our health. Excellent. And Tisha, you yeah. wanted to. Yeah, I, 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 I wanna, um, wanted to add, you know, one of the things that I think is just so significant about the partnership that's, I, I think, reflected partially in the name, but but not not wholly. Um, prior to the development of the Cultural Ambassadors Program, when you said to an institutional review board or one of the scientists at Yale that you wanted to optimize a study for enrollment by other populations, by every by everyone to be reflective of the US, the first thing they might say is, oh, let's translate the informed consent into Spanish. But never a consideration that the language didn't reflect the culture of the individuals you were trying to reach mm. in, in the studies, or that it wasn't optimized in a way. You know, I, one of the things I've learned so much, and these two gentlemen have uh, just made me blush so much with all <laughs> of the compliments, but I want to say now the brilliance that, that they had really teaching um, everyone that they encountered the importance of it's not just putting something in eighth grade language and saying, oh, someone will see it, they'll understand it because it's written at an eighth grade level or it's translated into Spanish, that people have to be ready to hear the message that you're providing. And it has to be provided in a way that meets them where they are. Mm. And, and so I think the naming, the cultural ambassadors, it really re reflects all of those messages that what these gentlemen and all of the colleagues that they have brought to the table do for the research message is they take it and they transition it, all, all of the science and cut through the language and the red tape and say, this is the message that people are ready to hear. And we're gonna tell you not only how to refine this message so that people can hear it, but also where to deliver, how to deliver, so you maximize its impact. And that's, that's really been the power that, that doesn't always come through when you hear the name cultural ambassadors, mm. but it, it's been transformative. And mm. it's really because of the leadership of, of Reverend Dr. Perry and, and Reverend Clayton, and not only the credibility that they bring and the, the way that they are able to enhance these messages, but it's also the passion. You know, I, I joked about that very first meeting, but to, to go from there to the passion that drives them every day, it's really remarkable. And it's warmed my heart every time I see it and every time I'm on a call with them, listening to them talk about the importance of, of participation in trials and health equity issues. Excellent, excellent. But the uh, challenges, talk, talk, to us, talk to us a little bit about, you know, uh, again, 14 years, I mean, that's a, that's a long that that's a road it's, if not a stony road it's it might be smooth at some point but certainly stony stony at others uh challenges maybe that have been faced along the way and and you hear this phrase lessons learned but uh, what, what i concur with you totally teach is that it's been from, from my observation of ycci and ambassadors as you guys have been adept and malleable and, and innovative but what about what have been some of the challenges you faced uh, along the way or maybe may even be be facing in the future and what lessons are we are we learning and and, and actually sharing yeah um that's, that's a great question I, I think you know for the challenges I, I think that the hard part about clinical research and health and health messages are, are some of the things that we just talked about really you know health is such a personal thing mm -hmm. and at times can be also really frightening. You know, mm -hmm. sometimes when there's a conversation between a person and their physician, it's at a low point in their medical history. They've just been diagnosed with something or their child or their parent has been diagnosed with something. Or, you know, I hear so many times from some from so many people in our community, I, I don't want to get, I don't want to know. I, mm -hmm. I'd rather not know. And so this, this scary aspect of, 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 of health and medicine at the same time, what's even more terrifying to me is just all of the health disparities that we face as, mm. as people of color, as Black people. Um, you know, when you think about the mental health rates and the, the suicide rates in, in children being five times that of their white counterparts, prostate cancer, two times more likely to, to die of prostate cancer, 
breast cancer, higher rates, diabetes, uh, cardiac disease, even we saw during COVID. So, so when you talk about the challenges, we're, we're climbing an uphill mountain mm. based on, based on those challenges. And then you, I, I think you factor in a, a real challenge today, which is the misinformation and the mm. disinformation that exists in so many places. And so finding these trusted sources of, of information and then who are the trusted messengers. And so I think in terms of the, the success, really honing in in this and uh, on the idea that there are people in the community who have the trust of the community, who the community will listen to, the community will be prepared to hear a message from that they that they trust. And so I think that that primarily has been one of the most profound lessons. I think mm. that so many you know, physicians and, and researchers thought that all I have to do is, you know, is, is go out and speak and people will believe me, but that, that wasn't the case, but having, uh, the, the trusted messengers from the ambassadors program out in the community with the knowledge, speaking about it, it just opened people's minds. And, hmm. and so I think that those are some of the profound challenges and, and lessons learned. And then I think the other thing that I, I would say where so much innovation came from these two gentlemen on the call, but when we had to pivot during COVID, you know, so much of what we had done for the first parts of the partnership was out in the community, you know, touching people, being at fairs, being at, you know, church events, being at, at Junta, being in, in different locations and having actual contact and then COVID hit everything was shut down. We had to figure out a new way of reaching people, uh, new new methods, which I think also led us to the partnership mm. with you that was proposed mm. by, by these gentlemen. And so I, I think really, you know, another pivotal challenge with, with us was met with by the innovation of these two gentlemen saying, well, let's take our message on the road to Zoom, to radio shows, to other ways of reaching people. And they help to, to transform the way that we think about things. So I, we faced a lot of, I, I think, challenges over the years, but they've led to some pretty innovative solutions that, as Reverend Perry has already said, so many other centers and programs would like to copy. Mm. So mm. so that, that's my perspective. But, you know, love for Reverend Perry and Reverend Clayton to, to, Excellent. to join, join in. Reverend Perry, in this uh, yes. regard? Tom, I think that the, the issue was the fear mm. of, uh, and that bring, I mean, that is, that is something that all races and people experience, the fear mm. of uh, participating in any kind of clinical research. And then, and then there's the question of trust, mm. fear and, and faith here meet at this crossroads. And so we, we were able to through communication and innovation, try to lessen those fears through education. So all of our cultural ambassadors have to go through a certain amount of training mm -hmm. about consents and IRBs, plus a historical understanding of medical apartheid. And, 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 and then we had to find a way of, um, of being innovative. Yes of being able to communicate this in such a way in our community that they could see that we were serious and competent about what we were doing. And so one of the things we decided, I think first was before we jumped into um, the media, we, we said uh, into the, the media with you is that we said that when people read the Yale newspaper or newsletter, it means absolutely nothing to them. So we decided, and we worked very hard, and Tisha, it was phenomenal the work she did to get us um, our, our first newsletter out, and subsequently our second and, and third, and I think that that has helped mm -hmm. our community, because not only do we, 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 we partner those newsletters with members of our congregation, but with members of our community, mm -hmm. cap agencies and barbershops and, you know, throughout the community, that is, that is powerful. Because when we think about medicine and research, in the past, it has always come from the top down. Now we're able to start at the bottom and go and meet halfway. Mm -hmm. I think that that is, um, that's phenomenal. Our lay people, our missionaries, our young people, we've engaged our young people to become ambassadors. Mm. So we're 
speech in all different levels, which heretofore have, have just been overlooked. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. we've never had a, a radio show that dealt with taking care of your health or a newsletter that looked at, you know, medical research or employing young ambassadors and training them. This has never happened. That's why I say there, there's a template that we got mm -hmm. that, that I think is so valuable in this whole field that others will, will beat down the door to try <laughs> to figure out this formula. <laughs> mm -hmm. Reverend Clayton? Yes. Um, challenges. The, the researchers needed more minority people to be a part of clinical research, mm -hmm. but they didn't have a clue how to help the, the minority community to be a part. Mm. And so I think we played a, a large part in helping them to uh, increase the uh, minority population yeah. to be part of this clinical research. Uh, you know, oftentimes people want something and they say they want something, but the only people that's talking are the people in that room. Mm. Through the cultural ambassadors, we have been allowed or we are a part of the room to mm. share uh, the thoughts of the community. If you want or if you need uh, more minority women to be a part of a study and she had three or four kids, uh, she, can, she can have a job, a husband can have a job. And, and nowadays, everything, babysitters are expensive. So, mm -hmm. so we, we, we shared with them that transportation might might be a way to help get more of these people involved in the clinical research. Now everybody's talking about this stuff. Uh, it, it's amazing to me that early on in in the meetings that we as we traveled up and down the East Coast, everybody sound like a doctor or professor. Uh, after the cultural bathers went to these meetings, they things were broken down, mm. not watered down, but broken down, mm -hmm. so that the general public can understand. And uh, it, again, we everything goes back to Tisha, who was able to help us share the information with people who otherwise would not receive the information in a way that they could understand it. That's excellent. Give everyone, give us a little example of the. Um, the, the increase in the enrollment and how that's kind of how that has taken place and, and manifested itself. How we have increased the enrollment in the what Tisha goes because she's got all the data. Uh, all, right. <laughs> all right. All right. All right. Let, let me just say that um, you know enrollment was low when we started. Hmm. But one of the one of the significant things that took place was Tisha had helped us to outline for our community what were the things that what were some of the disparities that members of our community were concerned with? Mm -hmm. and, and so things like sickle cell and prostate cancer and diabetes. And so we were able to work with some of the researchers uh, on, on prostate cancer by, by enrolling people and, 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 and bringing to the communities uh, what was what was some of the new research with prostate cancer? So we would go to barbershops and beauty shops. We didn't just target the men, but we targeted their their wives and their daughters mm -hmm. and innovated. This has never been done. Um, when we looked at sickle cell and we saw that, you know, how many of our sickle cell patients were treated when they went in like they were drug addicts and they just needed some pain medication. Tisha single-handedly challenged this at Yale. <laughs> and uh, we started a partnership with uh, the Sickle Cell Clinic, and we've, we've had uh, numerous uh, shows with you on this mm -hmm. issue. And let me just say, during COVID, which I think is, is when America really looked at the disparity, Tisha was already doing town hall meetings, not only for our ambassadors, 
But for different towns like the town of Brantford, the town of New Haven, um, Waterbury, and, and we would go on Monday nights and Tuesday nights for 45 minutes, 50 minutes, so that people could ask questions and, and somehow take charge of their health, dispel some of the myths. Who does this? Who has ever done this? Mm. Because it's, it just, they don't have the passion. But, but, but this young lady has a lot of passion, Lord knows. And I think because of her, we were able to be successful in so many ways of reaching a community that might have been completely uh, forgotten about, mm. ignored mm. during this whole pa pandemic. Mm. I, I think, okay. teacher, he, I think she's, he, I think Leroy's passed the, uh, passed the mic. <laughs> <to you. laughs> passed the mic. Okay, I'm ready. Um, no, it's, I, I just couldn't agree more with everything that, that Reverend Clayton and uh, Reverend Dr. Perry have said. But, you know, when I said earlier that the partnership had really just transformed Yale, when we, when we started this work in 2010, the best numbers that we could identify at the time, and, and we weren't great with the data because so many of the records weren't electronic. So it was even hard to, to get numbers. But um, we were around 2% of our total enrollment in clinical trials uh, identified as a person of color. Now across all of the, the, the participants in our research, and, and, and we've grown it significantly. Um, you know, in, in some cases, our industry worked 950% since that partnership started. Mm. So the total mm. volume of research has changed. But uh, on average, we're around uh, 30 to 35% of the total participation across all of our studies now identify mm. as a person of, of color. But importantly, where the ambassadors are involved in optimizing and carrying the messages of the study and changing the research design to make sure that they're considering all of these issues that Reverend, uh, Reverend Clayton and, and Reverend Dr. Perry have already addressed, most of those studies are, uh, the average is around uh, 62% of mm. the enrollment is a person of color. In some studies, as high as 98%. Mm. So when I say transformative, it's, it's truly been transformative. And then we also, in terms of some of the innovations, um, we have a, a, a partnership with the FDA Office of Minority Health and, and Health Equity, which has you know, just been phenomenal. And, the, and under that memorandum of understanding, their first goal is to expand the cultural ambassadors program as a model nationally. So even the FDA recognizing, as Reverend Dr. Perry said, that this is a template, but in, in one of our, our, uh, our uh, awarded contracts there, we just completed a social media influencer pilot. Mm -hmm. And we're seeing that, you know, the data is again showing that uh, these trusted messengers, people who have influence in the community can drive other individuals who identify as a person of color as black as hispanic or latino or latinx to participate in clinical research and so when you talk about the 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 data we're so much more than the the, than the metrics and the data mm -hmm. but but the data is also overwhelming and impressive you know showing that the innovation of this program is is really changing the makeup of how our research looks at yale and, and working um, with all of these other centers, as, as Reverend Dr. Perry mentioned, we're hoping to have a larger impact with the, with the program. So it, it's just been phenomenal. Excellent. And and teacher, can, you mention, can you mention the my chart and EPIC, the, what you've done there to help with this, these numbers? Yeah, absolutely. Um, we, we, when we started this, our use of the electronic health record obviously was very different. I think COVID changed everything for us. We, we as a as an institute as an institution now, um, almost ninety percent of the patients that are seen at Yale have a MyChart account now. Mm. You know, less less in admittedly in black and brown uh, communities. Um, have uh, have taken uh, on my chart, but Reverend Perry and Reverend Clayton and the work that they are doing is is continuing to expand the total numbers. But we just completed another study under that FDA grant where we're uh, we've been able to optimize the messaging directly to patients, and so we're seeing 
like which which of the messages resonate mm. with which mm. communities and again mm -hmm. adding this innovation so i think one of the exciting things about partnering with reverend clayton and reverend dr perry is they don't let us rest on our laurels you're only as good as what your next result <laughs> is and so they're constantly challenging us to be better and so we we're constantly looking at what are the tools that we have to to reach individuals and so um, we were able to really integrate the entire message, the enrollment and clinical trials into my chart. So as a way for, for uh, individuals to sign up for clinical research. And so if, if you are a patient or not a patient, you can go to, mm. the, go to my chart. If you are a patient, you can go into my chart. You can go into the menu and you'll see research studies and you can build out a profile and select your study preferences. If you're not a patient, you can call, and I, I wrote the number down because I, can, I can't remember it by heart, but 877-978-8343, and someone will help you set up the uh, account, and that's mm. that you can speak to someone in uh, Spanish if you need to, um, to, to also be able to do that, or you can email help us discover at yale.edu and ask for help in setting up a profile, but integrating these these so that we really have the ability for patients and individuals to control their research preferences to tell us what they want to hear about and how they want to hear about it mm. we've been able to integrate that into my chart and and i don't think we would have had that you know early on when we were deciding whether we were going to be an institution where you you had to opt in to research or opt out one of the things that our cultural ambassadors helped the leadership at Yale New Haven to do was to say, we need to put the, the power in the hands of the patient, not mm. in the hands of the institution. So let the messages go directly to the patients, let them decide what they want to do and set their mm -hmm. preferences. And so that's, that's really been another innovation that has driven a lot of the work, not only here locally, but Epic as a corporation has adopted a lot of the learnings and the lessons learned from our work at Yale into, into the platform today and has shaped what it looks like. So it's just been, again, just phenomenally exciting, all of the innovation that's happened in the program. Excellent. And, and Tisha, Reverend Perry's mentioned the town halls. Just as you were talking, I wondered, wondered if you could share, because again, it's kind of the purpose of this show is to really just share the the history and the and the, the landmarks that have been achieved but you've had at least two I'm thinking of the Henry the Henrietta Lacks you had, her family came to New Haven two or three years ago and then you had the farm you had various pharmaceutical folks talk about those those conferences which are really CNN national conferences as far as I'm concerned <laughs> this is also a part of the partnership with the FDA office of minority health and health equity that we had, we hosted innovation summits where we were talking about uh, not only the work that we've done, but innovations by others. And so the first one, uh, one of the things that, that we decided to do, or I, I think it, the idea actually came from uh, Reverend Dr. Perry and Reverend Clayton, but to, to make sure people really understood the historical perspective. And mm. so we thought who better to speak about that than the relatives of Henrietta Lacks. And so they came to our innovation summit and they shared the experience of, of their relative. Uh, we had the great granddaughter, I think, and the, uh, and the, um, the, uh, I, I think she was the, um, the sister-in-law of, of, of one of the, one of the uh, sons mm -hmm. um, who came to, to speak at the, at the event. And they talked about, you know, just the harm to the family and, and how they felt and, and, and also, but not just on a negative note, but then the legislative changes that came mm. as a result of what happened to Henry at and and how, how important and, and their feelings about research. And so we were able to kind of have that very negative point in history turn into something that was positive and motivating, yes. talking about the, the changes in legislation. Then we were also able to talk about a lot of the work that we had done. And then the NET Summit, we decided that it would be great to also hear from, because so much of the innovations and the therapeutics that get approved are uh, studies that come through pharmaceutical companies and the mm -hmm. pharmaceutical industry. And so 
in that, uh, we were able to have some of the top uh, pharmaceutical companies, Merck and Pfizer and others, talk about how they the, the innovations that their companies uh, were focused on to enhance enrollment by populations of color. And so it was a we we had we had uh, two two really great summits, and yes. you know hoping to to plan another. But these are, you know, those, these were milestone events for us, and we also. Uh, another uh, huge achievement is we also have a grant from the Pharmaceutical Manufacturers of America Foundation now, and really it's about trying to take these a lot of the lessons that we have here out more nationally. And so we're in this mm. grant, we're partnered with Morehouse School of Medicine, mm -hmm. the Research Centers and Minority Health Coordinating Center that's also out of Morehouse. And, uh, and but but made up of the 26 minority facing and historically black institutions and colleges and Vanderbilt and and in that we're we're setting up 10 uh, sites um, that are in communities in the south to make sure that we're looking at how can we take these practices and these locations that have traditionally not been a part of clinical research we can't name the sites yet because <laughs> we're still in the process and. Um, and embargoed around it, but you'll you'll be hearing a lot of news from us soon on that. But but really, how can we bring research closer to to the community? And and here locally in the FDA grant that that we spoke about earlier, we're also testing out this model of kiosk. Mm. And if we were to set up a location in the church or in one of the community-based organizations, would it make research more convenient? Like to Reverend Clayton's point. So the people don't have to travel as far. Could they just, yes. you know, show up at the church in Bridgeport at, at Walter's uh, Memorial instead of coming to, to Yale in New Haven and have part of a research visit at the church? It'll solve for the broadband issues. It might make it more convenient. So really, how can we test some of these innovations and, and see what really works to make sure that that we're inclusive and everyone has equitable access to, to consider being a part of research? We have about 10 minutes. So as things kind of cross everyone's mind, please kind of share in because this yeah, is such, such a rich conversation. Reverend Perry? Yeah, I, I wanted to say that um, also with the with this this uh, breakthroughs, hmm. on, one, two of the things. One is that we wanted to, as a community, meet with pharmaceuticals hmm. because we had some issues with them and suspicions. And I think it is because of this, this partnership that we were able to let them know some of our concerns, like when the medicine is approved, how will, it, will it be affordable for Black people? Mm -hmm. we, we wanted to make our templates so powerful that we could sit at the table with them and, and make suggestions about how they could reach out into the community in a more positive way and work along with community because we're working for the same goal. Mm -hmm. Also, I want to say that in terms of um, this outreach, whoever would think that during COVID, when the most vulnerable part of our minority population would be left out, that Yale would, would, would sponsor a pilot program that would reach out to senior citizens from 60 to 90, 94, mm. <laughs> and help them with telemedicine, help them with getting onto Facebook, helping them to be a part and helping them to cope with um, this, this whole uh, pandemic that left them uh, as, as third-class citizens mm. uh, in, in the war against um, this pandemic. Mm -hmm. and, and because of Tisha and her initiative, we were able to sponsor the program, one of the programs at, at uh, St. Stephen's. And let me tell you, the people were are still now able to get onto Zoom, to mm -hmm. do Facebook, to go to church now without having to leave the house. And they do feel empowered. And mm -hmm. so part of what we're doing, this is no one else is doing this, has done this. I mean, the schools are trying to get, uh, and the government, city governments are trying now to put Wi-Fi in houses, but we, we got them tablets. We gave them places where they can use the Wi-Fi. And uh, we work with them to help them make sure that they have Wi-Fi. That's something that's 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 just innovative and should be noted. And mm -hmm. when we're talking about the YCCI um, partnership with the cultural ambassadors. 
And, and Tisha, I believe you'll be in, in terms of your, I might, I might have to kind of uh, ask if I can be one of your agents to kind of work, work on your, your game plan, but you're going to be in, in Waterbury, I, I believe next month for a, a community health fair. Yes. 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 It's, it's uh, also one of the things that uh, Reverend Perry uh, and Reverend Clayton have been able to arrange are these uh, health fairs and, and health events that are in the community. And uh, it's a great way to, to not only share the knowledge of you know what what we're doing, but to reach the community where they are, answer mm. their questions face to face. So we're really excited a, about the event. Um, we had one, as you know, at the park in the summer um, mm -hmm. that you were able to attend, and and uh, they're they're just great events. We're really excited um, to to be there. And um, one, but one of the other things, if I may for a minute, Tom, just go back to another innovation. One of the things that I, I think really just struck home uh, during COVID was um, the conversation with the cultural ambassadors, specifically with Reverend Clayton and, and Reverend Dr. Perry. Uh, they were worried about young people mm. and making sure that young mm -hmm. people had, you know, the ability educational activities, everything had been shut down during COVID. A lot of the partnerships, especially the things that were free, um, people weren't, weren't doing those. And so uh, they wanted to focus on this idea of how can we change the face of medicine? Another part mm. of the initiative, making sure that the people in positions look like us. And so they started, they challenged us to get started mm. with a, a program for young people. And so we launched the the clinical and translational uh, uh, high school uh, exposures program. So for students 15 and older, um, and we held a virtual internship. And so it was really exciting. We, I think we've had interest now for well over a thousand kids from mm. around the world, not even just locally. And mm. I, I think over 300, um, uh, uh, three or 400 applications, we've, we've now had I think a little over a hundred interns in the three years that we've run the program, we're planning for year four now. And it's just been phenomenal. We have kids from all over the country, from uh, from other countries that are part of the program, but but kids who have, are from rural communities, uh, first, in mm. first uh, generation to think about college. Mm -hmm. And so we're able to, to share this knowledge with them and get them excited about science and medicine from the perspective of, of the community and how they can make a difference. And so, you know, that's been a really exciting uh, accomplishment of the program as well that I, I, I wanted to mention, but that's all driven by these two incredible gentlemen on the phone and pushing uh, on the, on the call here and pushing us to innovate and think about things differently. And, and, uh, let me just say that also because mm -hmm. of Harris, uh, many of the researchers have come to our events. Mm. CC Calhoun went to the blood drive at um, at uh, at Bridgeport with Reverend Clayton. Reverend Aniyema has been to us a number of times, meeting our young people and our congregation with regard to the COVID nineteen vaccine. And and when when it looked like many of our members of our community had to stand in line to get the vaccine, which was a deterrent, Tisha arranged to have Yale bring the vaccine into our communities, into mm. all of our communities, mm. so that that it would be available to people more readily. And I think our first time we had over a hundred people um, doing that and doing the first, just the first offering of the COVID vaccine. Yes. So yes. these these are these are just monumental steps. I think that, and I'm I'm, I'm hoping that Tisha will somehow put these in writing. <laughs> as markers, as historical markers of our work and her work, because I think it's significant and I think the world, it should not be hidden uh, right. any longer than it already has been of, of what we can do and have done and are able to do in the future. We have about three more minutes, of Reverend Clayton. I want to give you a chance to kind of make some yes, comments and then Reverend Perry and then Atisha, I'd ask you to close us out. Reverend Clayton. Yes, I would just like to share that the, the, the connection and the growth uh, of our congregations in terms of knowledge and clinical research mm -hmm. is basically what has happened with YCI through the work of uh, 
Sister Harris. Now we talked, you heard about the, the health fairs, but we had a very successful flu vaccination clinic in the church, mm. a very successful uh, COVID, uh, multiple uh, COVID vaccines in the church. And then um, at the Total Morgues Arena, the whole uh, town and community were involved in um, the blood drive. Mm -hmm. And uh, C.C. Calhoun was there uh, sharing uh, about uh, um, sickle cell. And so it, this, this is larger than you would ever imagine. And, it's, and, and it has not stopped. It continues to grow. And as a matter of fact, I need to put a plug in. C.C. Calhoun will be at Walters on the 25th of February, mm. sharing with us in, in a, uh, on a Sunday morning to, to tie in the connection between faith and medicine. Excellent. Excellent. Reverend Perry? No, I think that, uh, I, I, I think it's, like I said, it's just phenomenal. The work that we've done and the work that we're doing and the possibilities of even um, being more creative and innovative going forward. Yes. Um, we had, I mean, I can't tell you the number of ideas that we had to, <laughs> that we were challenged with. I mean, they didn't want to do the Tom Ficklin show initially. They didn't want to do the newsletter, but because it's a collaboration and it's a partnership, it just goes to show you what can happen when, when you're willing to, to, to work hand in hand. Yes, yes. And I think that that's, that's one of the things that has yes. made us um, who we are. Tisha, we have 30 seconds. I want to give you the last word. <laughs> I just want to say thank you to Reverend Dr. Perry, Reverend Clayton, and to you, Tom, for helping us carry this message and and uh, change the not only the face of research, but the face of those participating in clinical research at Yale. So that's how I want to close it out with just thank you, thank you, thank you. And she's doing a town hall tomorrow night, uh, if you're interested. Oh, we that's right. Yeah. The word out. Yes. Harry, thank you. Thank you, everyone. Uh, let's let's keep it going on onward and upward. And one of my best friends says, "Until then." Um. <laughs> Practice up, Reverend Clayton. Practice up. <laughs> Why don't we come together? Why do we gotta fight? and brothers who finally got it right let's face up each other black brown yellow blue white let's cherish all the color instead of spitting spites the highest we can be. You are be. listening to the Tom Ficklin Show on WNHHLP 103.5 FM, your home for community radio.